Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Today we're going to talk about roots, putting down roots. But first, as always, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for roots and all the beautiful things in this world that can come from them, from good, solid, healthy roots. We pray that we can grow those a bit better and a bit more today as we learn together about you and your plan for us of putting down roots. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, reading through the wisdom books, the books of wisdom, such as the books of Proverbs and the book of Psalms, these can take some time to go through. They are so rich and full with nutrients. It is a just depth and breadth of soil to glean all these different seeds and treasures from in learning about wise living. Specifically, you can apply pretty much any theme that you're thinking about right now and go and look through those scriptures and find something that it has to enlighten the, in its words, eyes of your heart. For me, going through these books of wisdom helped when I was considering these themes of kingdom come and the heritage that the gospel offers us. As I'm writing and proofing and revising and updating the kingdom come trilogy and the following devotional workbook, by the way, if you want one of those, please subscribe to my website and check back because Those will be available for individuals and groups. And also, if you want to work with me as a coach to go through those themes. But for today, talking about roots, looking through the books of wisdom, what does it have to say about roots? Specifically, what are the themes for kingdom? Now, we we think of government in terms of what we know, what we've studied or where we live, what we're used to. Here in the United States, it's been a democratic republic, and many of us hope that it will stay that way. And around the world, there may be different structures as well. The concept of kingdom, the concept of governance, we know in Romans, the Apostle Paul describes government in a very positive, idealistic way that it is a servant of God, one of his agents to bring about righteousness In other words, to have this sort of orderliness that even many generations before the prophet Jeremiah spoke of with the exiles when he encouraged them in chapter 29 of the book of Jeremiah, he said, basically, put down roots, grow gardens, have children, pray that it will go well with you and your city so that it will go well with you. Pray that it will go well with your city so that it will go well with you. He saw that there is a connection to context, that this is a bit different perhaps than our tendency maybe these days, maybe throughout human history, to try to slice and dice things, to try to compartmentalize our thinking. Many of the different philosophies still come from the same roots of Gnosticism, for instance, or different types of, you know, 
neo-religious mysticisms, different types of beliefs about how we can come about knowledge and be in relationship with knowledge and who is in control of all of those things. Well, the Apostle Paul and Jeremiah, for instance, as a prophet, they were both living in hard times. Jeremiah, his people, his audience had just been exiled to Babylon. And it surely didn't seem that that government wanted their best interest at heart. And the people were struggling to rebuild their temple, to have their home and their promised land that God had promised them. The Apostle Paul was imprisoned in different ways several times. And the last way was the worst, where he and Luke were both in chains in a dungeon, a literal dark, cold, dank, damp dungeon with other people crammed in a room in like a basement, as it were, in the ground, almost like entombed, if you will. That's how it must have seemed because it was completely dark and they were chained. And what was harder about that than just that environmental concern for their survival, they were had been flogged and beaten that the Roman soldiers would treat them that way. And even though he was a Roman citizen, he was treated that way. And his citizenship at that time did not protect him from being executed. It just safeguarded the method. So he was not crucified on a cross as Jesus was being a Jew and the son of man and the son of God, he was beheaded outside of the city as some early church historians wrote down and described that he was beheaded outside of the city of Rome. And so we have this tension here with describing governance in such idealistic terms as us putting down roots and going about our lives best we can and nurturing our children, nurturing our influence. If you don't have children, there's children around. In 2035, at least before the pandemic, it's estimated that children will, for the first time in known or modern human history, be a minority. So this raises concerns for phobic or unjust treatment of them as a even more vulnerable population than what they already are given their dependency and high need on other adults or older children or other people to help take care of them. Importantly and wondrously, Jesus said to welcome the children for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he had harsh words. A lot of times, People want to preach the gospel of all love or all wrath, but not a kind of mix of in-between. But I like to think of it this way, that righteous wrath protects what it loves, and it does it in a just measure, whereas sinful or self-absorbed wrath, well, we'll see in a moment in Proverbs what that does. But Jesus instructed his disciples to welcome the little children for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven, there's that word kingdom. There's this sense of governance. He didn't just say heaven. He didn't just say me. He said kingdom, that there is at work a forward future. Every day that passes is the day closer to the kingdom of heaven 
that one tomorrow will come today, it will be a paradise and there's a reason for that. It won't be a utopia. It will be a paradise and there's a reason for that. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he say to the thief who defended him? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now they were not in a paradise. They were on a cross. They had just been beaten and flogged. And those two thieves um, had been tried and, you know, hung on a cross. And Jesus had a false pseudo trial by a most generous phrasing, even by the legal religious legal standards of his day of the Sanhedrin, every single thing that happened to him and that the religious mob and leaders did went against their own law in the Torah and also in the Sanhedrin council, the rules and regulations that they had established. For instance, no proceeding was to take place during the Passover, but they did. And also the Roman leaders that time, Pontius Pilate, he said, I see no fault in this man. Why do you want to kill him? But there's political intrigue at work. There's turf wars at work. And unfortunately, at that time, Caesar wanted to be worshipped as God. And so if the mob was saying, well, he's describing himself as king of the Jews, which he, he replied, well, you say that I am. So Jesus was incredibly intelligent and clever and wise and knew how to respond under those situations. But he also didn't shy away from the fact that, you know, he's the son of man and the son of God. And I've been teaching in the temple and you've all been able to come hear me. So why are you coming to arrest me in the garden the night before in dark? Why are you hiding? If you know that what you're ruling is just and based on truth. Why are you hiding it? So Paul being beheaded. Now, this is definitely not the direction we thought this conversation would go when we're talking about roots, but stay with me for a moment. By a Gentile, as described in scripture, kingdom, and Jesus by this mellow, this unfortunate mix of, of a Gentile kingdom that had oppressed the Jewish people at the time. And this happens today when there are border wars and turf wars and intergroup violence. And what are we all trying to do? Jesus said that the violent try to take the kingdom by force. They try to take the kingdom of heaven by force. But he said, the kingdom of heaven has come in your midst. When you read through the gospels, the synoptics especially, with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then when you read the book of John, the book of John has an interesting theme about eternal life. And the book of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, goes into the themes of Jesus' identity as the Son of Man, the Son of God, and the kingdom themes and the proofs and the prophecies in the Old Testament and the genealogies that, sort, that identified him and validated and verified who, that he is who he said he was. So the concept of roots in our garden, in the backyard, one year I was looking back and there's just this plant that was growing up and it was not there the day before, but it was about three feet tall already. And I thought, wow, what is that? And it felt off, but it looked so green. And I thought, I haven't seen that before. What is it? 
definitely not what I planted, but you know, let's just give it a day or two and see what happens. Well, in a day or two, you know, it starts to bloom this flower. But again, it just fell off. The leaves were shaped a certain way. It just didn't look friendly. And it looked almost like it was trying to mimic something. When I went out and I pulled it up and the roots were incredibly shallow, definitely not like the amazing thimbleberry root stock that I had planted that now is four plus years old and just provides these lovely berries and the hummingbirds and the butterflies and the parasitic wasps, which are good for gardens, by the way, they <laughs> eat the aphids and whatnot, and the ladybugs and dragonflies and what else, the honeybees, they just love this garden in the backyard. I'm a big fan of planting native plants, plants that grow in this area and manage themselves in the forest lands, such as the thimbleberry, the salmonberry, the evergreen huckleberry, the red osier dogwood. I know and love these and more. And I purchased a barrow stock from our local county conservation district. You might want to look in your own area if there's a similar farm or conservation center or nursery or district of the plants that are in your zone, if you will, and see what you can find and learn about because they're amazing. They can take care of themselves and many of them flower and fruit and some of them are edible for humans. So I didn't want the fuss of the cultivated and engineered ones and I certainly didn't want to manage that and everyone else seemed to be doing well with that and I wanted my garden to look more like a forest and to grow food. And we are just now at the stage where we're planning out our container garden for vegetables and how we want to create the backyard for fellowship. Last summer, late summer, my parents with us built a beautiful deck in our backyard. And the heart behind that is to have fellowship in this season outdoors where, well, for one thing, I've always preferred anyway, and in the season where people during pandemia and pandemic have had different ways of managing it and not feeling comfortable or able to actually meet together indoors, it became even more prominent for me to have a backyard where we could fellowship with, where we had food, where the children could play, even doing some of the seemingly tedious or mundane tasks I enjoy the pruning and the raking the leaves and running around chasing my son around the garden box throwing a ball at each other and whatever other game he comes up with and I asked him to arrange the rocks this was one of his jobs one day around the blue elderberry plant which is amazing and so we had just filled that and made use of that with some good soil and compost and now it needed some decorations. So that was his job as part of our cleanup after we had built the deck. The night before he had prayed to God and he asked for the sun to be in the shape of a heart. And please God let there be hearts everywhere all day long and then turn it back to normal. I come out and in the thimbleberry box, the evergreen huckleberry, he had put rocks down in the shape of a heart. 
that morning was a beautiful fiery sunrise of pinks and purples and amazing streams and strips of fluffy clouds and he and I watched it together and I reminded him look Graham in a way God answered your prayer and you were part of the answer to that prayer the Apostle Paul when he talked about seeds he talked about it in Thessalonians and Corinthians in terms of our body being a tent or a seed he talked about in terms of the resurrection and first and second Thessalonians to encourage and remind us of the second coming of Jesus. And that can be a huge topic in and of itself to write books and do podcasts and courses and prayers over. And for this message, it's this beautiful tree of life that he will have come back to us and accessible, be accessible to us. But to know a bit more about that, again, he contrasts it with the the darker things. So let's take a look, as promised, just at a brief verse here in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 3. No one can be made secure by wickedness, but the root of the righteous is immovable. That is the Christian standard version of the Bible. And we also know in Genesis, when God had the tree of life, he also had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lately, I think of that in terms of that plant that was growing in my backyard that was likely a weed, probably not even an herb, just sort of mimicking, trying to pretend, trying to blend in. I I am the real deal. I kind of look like this guy over here. And look how fast I grew. And look at, I'm already producing a flower, but its roots were shallow and easily moved, easily moved. In the Psalms, King David, he knew a lot about kingdom building and its violent cost in human traditions and schemes. And he said, take a look, look for that that wicked man. He spreads himself luxuriously, but then he can't be found. He spreads himself like a native tree, he says, like it's an imposter. It's a mimicry. It's very close, but something's off. Proverbs spends a great deal of time talking about communication and the standard of speech that gives life and is healing or speech that is scoffing and brings about death and destruction. That seed that is in a person can produce that kind of, watch this again, the metaphor of fruit. It can produce this kind of fruit. One's good for you, one isn't. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.